Well, good morning, Abundant Life. Um, it is such a joy to be with you guys this morning. Um, like Pastor David said, my name is Laura. I'm the student pastor here at ALC. And, you know, for student ministries, we don't meet um, on Sunday mornings. So we meet, we're middle school at the nine o'clock, but you know, we meet Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. And so I feel like you guys never really get a chance to hear what's going on in the life of student ministry. So I know we've got a few students here this morning. Any, can I see where are my students at, students? Okay. Thank you, thank you. Okay, that'll be important later. That'll come in in a moment, how loud they cheered. Um, but uh, I just wanna let you know that the students in this church community in the Clackamas and Happy Valley area, man, we are walking through a series this fall where we're talking about what is our foundation really built on? And so we're asking some questions that we know that students get from teachers, from friends, from peers at school. Things like, man, why is it important that Jesus came to earth? Why is it important that he died, that he rose again? Why does it matter that we go to church? And so we're really wrestling through these questions together. And it's been so cool to see teenagers just step up and grow deep roots in their faith. And so I just want you to know, I want to thank you for how much you support, for how much you invest in this next generation, because there are some really incredible things going on. And I know that we always say, oh, the next generation can change the world. I truly believe that the questions that these students are asking, how they want to understand and really find and root their identity in Jesus, like this next generation truly can. And so thank you for investing in them. Pray for them, um, support them, come alongside any teenagers that you know in your life, um, because this is truly a special group of students, and it is an honor to just get to do life with them on a weekly basis. But this morning... And we are continuing in our series called Heart and Soul. And if you've been with us over the past few weeks, um, I hope you've been as blessed as I have been just with the opportunity to stop and ask, man, how is my soul doing? How is my heart doing? Because I don't know about you, but it seems, especially over the last few months, like we have just gone from zero to 60 in this world. It is moving faster and faster. There is so much busyness and noise and it can just feel like we are drowning in it. Well, in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer makes this observation about the pace of our world. And I think it just really describes how a lot of us might be feeling. He says, ultimately, nothing in this life apart from God can satisfy our desires. Tragically, we continue to chase after our desires ad infinitum. The result, a chronic state of restlessness, or worse, angst, anger, anxiety, disillusionment, depression, all of which lead to a life of hurry, a life of busyness, overload, shopping, materialism, careerism, a life of more, which in turn makes us even more restless and the cycle spirals out of control. Now, I don't know if anybody else resonates with any of those words. Anxiety, busyness, careerism, materialism. It just feels like there's always more and there's always more that we aren't measuring up to. But what I've loved about this series this fall is that it's such an incredible reminder that this life that God has for us, this invitation to this life with him, it is completely different from the world. We are called and invited to live differently. And so today we're going to talk about what it means to be with God. And we're going to talk about this word abide. And what abide means is it means to make your home in. Right? Think about people who you share your home with, who you open up your home, who you invite into your home. That picture is what we're going to talk about with this word, abide. 
And so I asked where all of the students were this morning because there's this little inside joke that we've kind of brought into over the last year and a half, and I'm going to bring you into it now. So um, we have really been focusing on what it means to dig into scripture and really just talking about how important it is to have a physical Bible and to know how to find things in your Bible, okay? So today we're going to be in John 15. And so if you're not quite sure where that is, this is what my Bible looks like when I'm in John 15. And so if you make your Bible look like mine, um, you'll be close, okay? So the joke with this is that there's literally a TikTok account like dedicated to me looking for things in my Bible like this. So welcome, you're in the inside joke now. You can all volunteer in students. Um, okay, so. John 15, we're going to start in verse one, but before we jump in, I want us to remind ourselves where we are in the story of Jesus. So just like David was talking about earlier, that last night before Jesus goes to the cross, he has a final meal with his disciples, with his 12 closest friends. And it's during this meal that he gives them some of his greatest wisdom that he challenges them about how they are called to live in his soon-to-be absence. Okay, so this is the scene which we are going to step into this morning. A group of friends gathered around a table. They've lived life together day in and day out over the last three years. These men have seen Jesus perform miracles. They have seen him raise people from the dead. They have seen him give radical love and radical grace to everyone around him. They have truly been with this man. Okay, this is the scene that we are stepping into. And I mentioned earlier um, that we are talking about the word abide today. Now, this isn't a word that we really hear a lot outside of church, right? And it's such an uncommon word, in fact, that two of the main translations or common translations that people use today, the NIV and the NLT, they don't even use this word abide in this passage. They use the word remain. And while I think it can get us there with the meaning, I think that there is such a more beautiful picture in this word abide. So if everyone's okay with it this morning, I'm going to read out of the NLT, but I'm going to put the word abide in instead of the word remain. Everyone okay? We tracking? We good? Okay, here we go. So we're going to jump in John 15 verse one. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Abide in me and I will abide in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you abide in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Now here's what I love about this is that Jesus is using this illustration of a plant that is so simple that we all can understand it, right? We all can visualize it. We all know what a healthy plant looks like. We know what a not so healthy plant looks like. We know what they need to live and thrive. Are there any plant lovers in the room today? Okay, 
can I just tell you all how in awe I am of you? Like I walk into some people's homes and like they just have these beautiful plants everywhere and you can just tell the air is cleaner and fresher. And then we sit down to dinner and they're like, oh, that produce you're eating, like I grew that in my backyard. I'm like, oh my goodness, like how do you do this? And the reason why I'm so in awe is because I have what some people have affectionately referred to as a black thumb, like not a green thumb, a black thumb. And a couple months ago, someone gave me this plant and they were like, Lori, you can't kill this. Like this is made for people like you. Like just water it when you think about it, leave it in a window, it'll be fine. Well, lo and behold, a few weeks later, this is what it looked like. So um, yes, I am not the best gardener, right? But regardless of that, regardless of whether we are really great at growing things or if we can't keep things alive to save anything, like we can all picture it, right? For some reason, there's like multiple units in our science classes growing up about how plants live. And I think what's so beautiful about this is that so often before, during Jesus's ministry, he would teach in parables. So he would teach in these stories that would illustrate a point of how we are to relate to God. But often the disciples would be super confused. Like at the end of Jesus telling this story, they would go up to him and be like, okay, what did you really mean by that? And so he would have to unpack it and break it down for the disciples so that they could understand. But what's so awesome about this is that Jesus knows in this moment, remember, he knows that he's about to go to the cross. He knows that this is the last meal that he will share with his friends. And so he leaves no room for confusion. And what I think is so awesome about this picture is that he makes it super clear that what he's inviting us into is something holy. The way that he is inviting us to abide in him that is how he abides with God. And so this invitation, it's to step into that relationship that has been going on from the beginning of time when Jesus has always been present with God. This is how he relates to his father and he is saying, abide in me, be a part of this, step into something holy. Abiding with Jesus it's a chance to breathe. When I picture this word abide, I picture a person or a situation or a place where I can just be, right? I don't have to show up with any kind of agenda. There's no image to maintain. There's nothing that I have to bring, I have to prepare. I don't have to look a certain way. I don't have to say the right thing. I can just come and be. It's this sense of a deep breath. There's no shoulds, there's no to-dos. There's margin to focus on what's important, on what's true. And it's this just simplicity of simply being in the presence of God. Now, Psalm 46.10, it's a verse that we've probably heard quite a bit. I'm sure it's on many of our coffee mugs in our cupboards. Be still and know that I am God. But I love how this verse is translated in the NASB, especially that be still. Be still is translated as stop striving. 
Stop striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. Stop striving. You don't have to say the right thing. You don't have to come to me once everything is perfect. Stop striving. I think this is the core of this invitation of abiding. Because abiding is not about us bringing anything to the table. It's about intentionally giving space in our lives to access the presence of God. Like David said earlier, God's presence is always around us. But what abiding is, is pausing and inviting God's presence into every single moment of our lives. This God who cares so deeply for us, who has extravagant love, never-ending mercy, overwhelming holiness. This is the God who wants to meet us here and meet us in every moment of our lives. But if you were here with us last week, Pastor Gareth was talking about surrender and how so often us as humans, we have trust issues, right? We have control issues. And I think at the heart of that, we have to be really honest with ourselves because here's the truth about God. The truth about God is that he never changes. His character is always the same. He has unending goodness, extravagant love. He cares for us so deeply. But sometimes our perception of God, it can skew for us who he is. And so if we're finding ourselves having a really hard time trusting him, devoting ourselves to him, surrendering our lives to him, I think we have to ask ourselves the question, well, who do I think God is? Do I believe in his goodness? Do I believe that he has my best interest at heart? Or do I just view him as this judgmental authority figure who's keeping track of my every wrongdoing and just waiting for me to mess up? Because I don't know about you, I wouldn't want to abide with someone who was just waiting for me to stumble. But that's not who God is. But in our brokenness, in our attempt for control, sometimes I think we paint him that way. So who is God to you? Who do you believe that God is in your life? Because the picture that these verses paint the picture that Jesus lived out is that God is a God who wants to know us, who wants to meet us, who wants to be with us here. And this is the invitation that Jesus brings when he asks us to abide in him as he abides in us, to step into something holy, to make every moment of our lives sacred ground. So how do we do this? How do we actually abide with God? Because it's one thing to talk about it, right? To understand why it's important, but how do we actually step into this? Well, let's go back to John 15 and let's read verses five and six. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not abide in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Now here's where the passage gets a little scary, right? I feel like when I've read this before, like 
gathered into a pile to be burned. I have had this picture of like that creepy house on the hill, right? With somebody running out and being like, get off my lawn. Like, I don't know why. That's like the picture that I have when I read this, which is so fascinating because that's not the tone in which we read the rest of the passage, right? But all of a sudden we hear the word burned and like everything becomes scary. But what if instead of reading that as a judgment, reading anger into that, reading disappointment into that, we read it the exact same way we read the rest of the passage. Caring, loving. My child, this is what your life could be like if you choose not to remain in me. That is not what I want for you. Instead of this scary, judgmental, like tirade, right? It becomes this cautious warning, this invitation to step into something different. Because abiding in Christ is this invitation to a beautiful, vibrant life. I want you to picture your favorite flower or your favorite fruit, and I want you to picture it at like its peak perfection. For me, it's always been hydrangeas. My parents had these beautiful hydrangea bushes growing up, and I can just picture them in the spring with their blues and their purples, And you can tell when it's like that perfect moment to cut them from the vine, bring them inside so that they can brighten up your home, right? But the thing is, when you take them away from the vine, they look beautiful for a while. They look probably beautiful for longer if you actually put water in the vase, which you can ask my husband if I actually do that or not. But (laughs) they look beautiful for a while, but what happens eventually? One by one, the petals start to wither they start to turn brown. Their beauty begins to fall away and suddenly you're left with a dead, brown, withering twig. So now that we have this visual, can't we see why this is the illustration Jesus chose to paint for us of our life abiding with him and not abiding with him? It's not a place of judgment. It's a word of caution. It's caring about our lives. So how does this play out in our everyday lives, right? How do we know if we are connected to the vine or if we're starting to get into that like withering twig area? I think a really easy way for us to see the fruit of our lives is by actually looking at the fruits of the spirit. Galatians 5, through 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So when all of a sudden you wake up one morning and everything is making you mad, like that person cutting you off in the Starbucks line, like last week, that might not have bugged me so much, but today, like man, This is really, really hard for me. Or you get to school and that one person in the hall, it just feels like they are out to just ruin your life and ruin your day. Suddenly you find it really hard to see the kindness and the goodness in people. What if instead of it being everyone else's problem or the world is against you, what if instead we need to stop and to ask, man, how am I doing being connected to the vine? How am I creating space in my life to access the presence of God? 
Am I reading my Bible? Am I just pausing for times of prayer? What am I doing so that I can see the world the way that God sees it? How am I allowing my heart to be transformed from the inside out so that the overflow is just love and care for others? Because I don't know about you, but when I'm working out of my own strength, when I am in this place of not being super connected, my patience runs out super quick, both with people and with situations that life throws my way. But I think that this verse in Galatians, it just outlines, it's such a thermometer for us of how our soul is doing. Are we loving? Are we joyful? Are we finding peace? Are we patient? Are we kind? Are we seeing the goodness in others? And another reason why I think this is so important is Jesus goes on literally in this chapter and he says that how we abide in him is by following his commands. And his greatest command is love one another the way I have loved you. How are you doing? How is your soul doing? How are you doing with your spouse, with your friends, with your coworkers, with random people at the grocery store? This is such a good way for us to realize, man, I need to be working on my soul. But here's the thing, Jesus is saying, we can't do this on our own. We can't just conjure up love, joy, peace, patience, kindness in all situations just out of sheer willpower, right? We've all tried it, yeah. We're like, our husbands, yeah, you've tried that, right? Like, we've all tried it, we've all failed. But that isn't a judgment. It's an invitation to lift that burden off of us because we were never designed to carry that on our own. Because when we are abiding with Jesus, it allows us to see things through a different lens because we have a different source of life. And that transformation is what changes everything. That is what it means to abide. And how we abide is to create space to invite God's presence into everyday moments. Abiding is creating space to invite God's presence into everyday moments. And I wanna make something really clear. This invitation that we are talking about to abide, it is not one that we earn. There is nothing that we can do. There is nothing we can add to our resume. No amount of like perfect church attendance or anything, if you memorize like all the books of the Bible, none of that will earn you this invitation to abide. But we have to be intentional to receive it. We have to create intentional space in order to receive that invitation to abide. Have you ever been in the same room as someone, but you realize that you're not really connected with them? I don't know about you, but this fall has been so busy and sometimes it feels like my husband and I, we're just ships in the night, right? Like we're in the same room, we're around each other, but we're not really knowing what's going on with each other. We have to create intentional space in our relationships with each other to connect, to really know, to be vulnerable with each other. It's the exact same thing with God. 
And there are so many ways that we can do this. And I have a few examples um, that I think are just really beautiful ways in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the busyness that we can pause and invite God into that moment when we maybe don't have time or don't have the bandwidth to create like 15, 20 minutes, right? So one of my favorites, uh, one of my friends, Rachel, um, if you were here in September, you actually heard a little bit of her story. Um, But a couple of years ago, she was walking through just this really dark time in her life. And she knew that she needed that constant reminder that God was there, that God was present, that God was meeting her where she was. And so what she did was at work every day on one of her screens, she had this Google doc that was just always open and she would type her prayers into it. So if she, no matter what she was facing, if she just needed a moment to remember, okay, God is here. I want to keep that conversation going. That is what is going to get me through this day. That is is going to get me through the next hour. She could just go to that and type and keep that conversation with God going. A couple of years ago, Pastor Aaron shared in a message that he memorizes scripture, which takes some effort up front, right? It takes some intentionality. But then when he's in these moments of chaos, in these moments where he needs to be connected to God, he can recall those verses to mind and remember God is with me. For me lately, the thing that I've been using is sticky notes, like pretty simple, right? A couple of months ago, I read in a devotional just this really short phrase, God is good, God is good to me, God is good at being God. And that was something that just really stuck with me of in these busy moments, I can just remember, man, I am not God and I don't have to be. I can just let go of this situation and I can find peace in the fact that I don't have to hold this together. And so I have that on sticky notes around my office so that whenever I need a moment to just invite God into it, I can repeat that phrase and just be reminded, God is good. God is good to me. God is good at being God. But I think there is also something really beautiful about being intentional and about creating these times of silence and stillness. Maybe for you, it's the posture that Pastor Gareth talked about last week of beginning every moment before you grab for your phone, before your feet hit the floor of just saying, God, I surrender. Just pausing for a moment. God, meet me here, abide with me today. Show me your presence, remind me, no matter what you are with me. Or maybe it's just finding a few moments during lunch or in your car before you drive home, whatever it is. Creating that space allows us to remember he is God and we are not, but we have this invitation to be with him in that. We have this invitation to relationship and life with him. And so I want to end our service today just by giving that space. No phones, no distractions, just space to simply be, to invite God in, to abide with him as he abides in us. So what these next few moments are gonna look like, I'm going to close us in prayer. And then um, the worship team is going to play a song that may be familiar for some of you, may be unfamiliar for some. But while the band is playing, you might feel led to respond in a few different ways. And I would just encourage you to lean into that. You might feel led to stand and raise your hands as an act of surrender. God, I give it all to you. I depend on you. You might feel led to kneel, 
just as a moment to let the peace of God wash over you as you recognize, I can't do this on my own and I was never meant to. But as we close, um, as I've been studying over the past few weeks and really just meditating on this passage, just this simple prayer kind of came to mind and kind of just was created over the past few weeks as I've been praying for you and praying for this morning. And so I'm going to ask us to all to do something that might feel a little bit uncomfortable, but I'm going to ask wherever you're seated, will you just hold open your hands as a posture of receiving this blessing from God? Because I believe that He wants to meet each and every one of us individually and collectively here this morning. So would you allow me to just read this blessing over you and then the worship team will lead us in one more song. When things seem hopeless, abide in me. When things are going well, abide in me. When the moment, in the moments of great success, abide in me. In the moments of deep failure, abide in me. When you feel like your life is out of control, abide in me. When you feel on top of the world and everything is working out just as you worked for, abide in me. In the celebration of answered prayers, abide in me. In the waiting for an answer to come, abide in me. When you feel alone and forgotten by others, abide in me. When you are surrounded by those you love and who love you, abide in me. In the stillness of peaceful moments, abide in me. In the chaos of questions and unknowns, abide in me. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Love one another just as I have loved you. Abide in my love today, tomorrow, and always, amen.